Uh, baseball been very good to me. It's uh, Bob McCowan. It's uh, John Shannon. And it's opening day of the uh, Major League Baseball uh, season uh, for the majority. <laughs> as soon, what? As soon what? as you said that, I, 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 was, I could only think of uh, Bob Euchre in uh, Major League saying, hi, and outside. Anyway, sorry. Just a little high. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, look at. Um, I don't understand not being a baseball fan, at least um, on opening day. I think everybody oh, yeah. is. Yep. And um, as such, um, opening day almost invariably is sold out most places, except Tampa and Pittsburgh and Kansas oh, City, okay. perhaps. Um, but uh, the Toronto Blue Jays will open um, on Friday with a full house and the Texas Rangers into play. We'll talk about opening day and uh, the regular season and who has done what during the off season and who do you like and who don't you like baseball? The conversation today, our pal, Bill shaken of the LA times is with us and he will uh, wander in, in just a moment. First, these messages. McCowan and Shannon back with you. Uh, well, the baseball season is uh, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, uh, we hope and assume a full 162 game schedule uninterrupted by, uh, disease or illness and with full stadia across major league baseball. Um, if you're a baseball fan, you're ready for this. I'll tell you Bill shaken of the LA times joins us from uh, Los Angeles. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Bob, Bob. Yeah. Are you going to break the news to bill that the Tampa Montreal experiment is not going to take place? Well, for those listening on audio, um, shaken has shown up with a Montreal Expos cap. We yeah. know his favorite team of all yeah. time. Yeah. Um, are you anticipating anything or predicting anything, Mr. Shaken? I'm certainly hoping that my home <laughs> baseball team back that was so unjustly stripped from it and moved to Washington, D.C., where playing history, but they've not even retired number eight. That's ridiculous. Well, all that being said, uh, the speculation about the Tampa Montreal joint venture is a dead duck right now. Um, yeah. How does Montreal get a team back now? I think Montreal is actually a step ahead of the game because anybody can say, oh, we'd like to have a team or put out some fancy drawings about what the ballpark might look like. But because Montreal had actually done the research and at least explored lining up the financing, that's what Major League Baseball is going to want to see. And I don't know why it would have made any sense for anyone in Montreal, private investment, public or otherwise, to build a stadium for a ballpark that was going to be in use two and a half months out of the year. That made no sense. But now all those people have done the groundwork. And when it is time for expansion, whenever the Rays situation and the A's situation is resolved, Montreal's already said, hey, we've, we've done a lot of this stuff. We're ahead of the game. And I, it's still obviously a very vibrant market. It's a much better market than it was when the Expos left. And there's a lot of revenue sharing now in baseball that didn't exist when the Expos left. So it's a great untapped market. And, you know, taking off my uh, obvious bias because I'm from Montreal, it's the largest and best market I think baseball can go to. Oh, I wouldn't argue that point. Um, I would say to you that the assumption that I've gone under, though, for the past few years has been that if Tampa, Tampa is, needs a place to go, and that Montreal would be the obvious choice there. Oakland probably needs a place to go, should want to be out of that marketplace, but that they probably would lean closer to uh, more likely to Vegas. What about the possibility of um, Oakland going to Montreal? Is that even feasible? It is an American League team. I think if Oakland moves, and the odds, frankly, still are that they don't, but if the A's move, you're right. I think Major League Baseball would like to keep them on the West Coast mm-hmm. the immediate time just for scheduling. Maybe that's Las Vegas. Maybe that's Portland. Who knows? Maybe it's Vancouver. But everybody in Major League Baseball has said, once we get those situations resolved, we don't want to have a 30-team league. We want to have a 32-team league. 15 teams in each league makes scheduling a nightmare. Maybe you do it with eight teams and four divisions. Maybe you do it with four teams in each of eight divisions, whatever you do. And so you need two expansion teams. So even if the A's and the Rays both move, 
there's still two markets that Major League Baseball is going to want to move into. All right. So what's the what do you perceive the schedule to be to accomplish this? Because this has been the case for several years. Yeah, I uh, I wrote a piece. You can see it at LATimes.com slash sports. It says, hey, look, you know, we got to jump ahead a little bit because this is going to be 32 teams at some point. So then the question is, why do you really need a National League and an American League anymore? You know, when we were all growing up, the leagues were separate. The players hated each other. The All-Star game actually meant something. Guys played nine innings. They got in fights. They knocked the catcher over. Each league had a different president that handled discipline. Each league's president's name was on the baseball. That's all gone now. So you need the leagues, I guess, for the World Series so you can group two groups together like the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference and the NBA. Otherwise, you really don't. So if that's the case, why don't we do it geographically and give the fans more games against the teams that they want to see, which more often are the teams closer to home, and then it makes travel easier on the players. So I would want to see, for example, I proposed what I called an American League East, but it would have both New York teams, Boston, Toronto, Montreal, Philadelphia, Washington, and and Baltimore. Hmm. So so you you would have proposed that the – Toronto and Montreal franchises would be in the uh, in the same division. No, I think they should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's all well and good. And I don't disagree with you in any way, shape or form. But we've got 100 years of history of the National League and the American League. And I don't see any reason to believe that these owners are likely to change that history. Do you? But the, D- but the DH changed that, though, doesn't it, Bill? The DH changes that whole thing. I yeah, know. I was talking to Clayton Kershaw for a while this spring about it. And he said, honestly, like, I like the National League and I like the American League, but the rules are the same now. It's exactly the same game. And, you know, at some point you got to wonder, the owners are motivated by one thing, as we know from the lockout, and that's money. And if they can save money on travel with geographical realignment and maybe draw bigger crowds, because, for example, in our market, the Angels and the Padres – playing any games this year and they're you know an hour to an hour and a half apart depending on traffic which is the disqualifier for everything around here right you know the angels are playing 19 games against the texas rangers in two time zones away nobody cares like it's ridiculous well again you know has your espionage determined that there's any chatter about this amongst the people that care and that would be the owners themselves Again, everything they've said has been pretty consistent. First, we get the ballpark situations resolved in Oakland and Tampa, and then we'll do expansion. And of course, as we all know, we've been hearing this for like 15 years about the Rays, 20 years about the A's. So hopefully there'll be a resolution. Yeah, The the interesting thing about it for me, Bill, is that when you look at the cost of a franchise and in Montreal, in the end, you're going to have to build a new stadium, um, you know, your franchise fees alone for an expansion team is going to be $2 billion, one five. I don't know if it'll be quite that high because I think the owners recognize the investment that's going to have to be made. You know, in Montreal, of course, people are smart enough to know that you don't shovel public dollars at a ballpark, but that probably needs to be privately funded. And, you know, maybe the government pays for some infrastructure, but an owner is going to be responsible for paying a billion dollars for a ballpark. So do you want to maximize the ballpark or do you want to cut corners in the ballpark just to make a few extra bucks on the franchise? fee? Yeah. Well, and also the size of the, of the ballpark has, uh, or the mandate on the size of the ballpark has changed significantly. Like gone are the days of municipal stadium in Cleveland that had 80,000 seats or 60 or whatever it was at the old Yankee stadium. Um, now the number seems to be around 40 or the low 40s, even high 30s. Uh, and that's that's comparable to what Fenway has. And Fenway was was considered a, a well, still is considered a small ballpark. So maybe at 40,000 seats, if that's the optimum number now, maybe you can do it for under a billion dollars, Bill. Yeah, I don't know that the incremental cost is too great for each individual seat. Maybe it is if you want to put a whole nother deck on the stadium. But the general thought is, how can we maximize revenue? Again, this is how owners think. How can we maximize revenue for every seat? And if we 
apply the principle of supply and demand that we all learned in school. If we lower the demand by lowering the number of seats, we can charge more for each seat. And maybe those seats at higher prices will go to the wealthy investors, the corporate accounts, whatever, they'll pay more for it. And we'll end up making the same that we would have larger stadium, except we won't have to staff because we have an upper deck. Hold on. Do you run a hockey team in Arizona? Because no, that's, that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent a, a while when the Dodgers were in spring training with the city manager in Glendale where they train, but of course where the Coyotes are about to get run out of. And I mean, that guy's great. Like, you guys are deadbeats. Get out of here. Yeah, well, <laughs> and they're going to a 5,000-seat arena, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, it'll look like the Blue Jays when they played in Dunedin. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Look at many, many years ago, decades ago, I, I made a statement that everybody thought I was nuts about. And I said, you know, we're going to maybe within our lifetime, but at some point we're going to come to the point where you're going to have 5,000 seats in a stadium, and then you're going to have seating for 25,000 private boxes. And that's really where, where the game is going. And, and it, it speaks to what you're talking about less people, but at a higher cost per person, right? And if you give them all the amenities that they that we've become come used to now at going to a ballpark, um, looks like they'll pay it. So maybe that's where we're headed. Yeah, and on the other side of it, teams, leagues, and television networks have spent a lot of time trying to say, how can we make the experience of watching a game at home so good that it's almost more comfortable to sit at home on your couch, not fight traffic, not pay. 10 or $20 for a beer or a hot dog. You can watch in high def and now you'll have second screen. So you can right. watch the broadcast on one screen, the statistics on another, do a team chat in another. There's a lot of people conspiring for a lot of ways that make it very enjoyable not to go to the ballpark. You didn't say, uh, put some sports bets down either though, Bill. I mean, let's face it. That's, that's what that second screen is going to be used for now, isn't it? Yeah, there was this, Really interesting conversation a bunch of us had yesterday with the folks at Major League Baseball, and they were talking about all sorts of technology for the coming season. And so, of course, gambling comes up. And in Washington, where the Nationals play, for example, and soon in Chicago, where the Cubs play, there'll be a sports book right on the premises in the stadium. And the people from Major League Baseball said, well, that's separate because you can't go <coughs> – into the sports book. I can't go to watch the Nationals play, have a beer, have a hot dog, walk in before the game starts and bet on the Nationals. I'm like, well, what's the point of having the book at the ballpark then? Well, if you're at the game, you can bet on your phone. Right. But if the Nationals aren't playing, there's, you know, 280 days a year, that sports book will be open. It's all so ridiculous because, um, and I pointed this out to John, we, we just got legalized sports wagering game by game wagering in uh, here in Ontario and in Canada this week. And if you go back and read um, the NFL's position and major league baseball and the national hockey league and the NBA's position on gambling from as recently as 10 or 15 years ago, they ripped the hell out of it. They said it would destroy the sport. The integrity would be gone, this, that, and the other thing. And through this whole process, all I've said is, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that they want to get a piece of the action. And now they've got a piece of the action. And now their, their perspective, especially the national football leagues has gone 180 degrees. Yeah. In the United States, anyway, it was pretty much illegal everywhere, but Nevada until the Supreme court a few years ago said, you know what? Every state should decide for itself. And all of a sudden you're right. The leagues went from, Oh no, no, can't have this bad to, well, there's a lot of money to be made, and gosh darn it, we want to share that. Yeah, well, that's exactly what's happened, and their position on it has changed, as I said, 180 degrees. Yeah, I All right, let's see, talk. Go ahead. So one last thing. I, I was talking to somebody at a conference a few weeks ago, and they were showing me their technology, and what the guy ultimately said was there are a million pitches every season in Major League Baseball, and you will be able to bet on each one of them. Is yeah. it a fastball, curveball, strike, hit for a home run. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's what's coming. 
Yeah, it's it's so it's certainly different from what I grew up looking at, you know, and and going to the Castaways Hotel in Las Vegas <laughs> with Sonny Reisner there, and and you know he was the first guy to put up prop bets, and uh, but basically just on the Super Bowl, but now the technology allows you, as you said, you can bet on every pitch, and um, it'll be interesting to see what percentage of the dollars go to that kind of immediate reaction, immediate um, response, immediate result betting, as opposed to the traditions that we grew up with, which was, well, which team do you like, you know? Sure. And he talked about, you know, ways to make money and then hopefully, you know, we can talk actual baseball, but like one of the things Rob Manfred has said is we think gambling is a device for fan engagement. Okay. Let's translate that. What he means is it's the eighth inning. Your team is getting blown out. Normally, you would turn off the TV, but I can bet on what might happen on the next pitch or next inning or whatever. Maybe you stay tuned for that. Well, you know, it, it, you, you touched on gambling and technology. Let's face it. Now, there's going to be a lot of baseball games. We won't even see the catcher use signs. He's going to touch his wrist yeah. and talk to the pitcher. That's technology, yeah. too, right? Yeah. All right, let's talk baseball. Uh I would say the consensus, I mean, this is unofficial because, you know, we all look at different prognostications, but it looks like um, most, many, if not most of the prognosticators would anticipate an LA Dodgers, Toronto Blue Jays World Series. Are you among those who believe that is likely? Uh, I would highly be in favor of that. Um, just because of the Canadian cuisine I would get to eat for the World Series. <laughs> I think there are a lot of good teams. And the trouble is, and I wrote a story about this for tomorrow, we've gone this year from 10 teams in the playoffs to 12. And we already know that once you get in the playoffs, I hate to use the cliches, but short series, anything can happen. So the Dodgers have had a monster run here. They've been in the playoffs nine straight years. Eight of them as division champions, and the year they didn't win the division, they won 106 games. So how many World Series did they win? One. And, you know, once you get into the playoffs, <clears throat> it's not really a, a reflection of your ability over 162 games, and now you're going to have to emerge from a 12-team tournament instead of 10. So the Dodgers have the best chance in the National League, and I do believe the Jays have as good a chance as anybody in the American League, but, you know, who knows? Well, I also so one of the other things I saw, guys, is um, and I, I would give credit if I could remember who it was, but and I haven't thought much about it, but I'm intrigued by both of your perspective on this. Uh, the prospect of trading the entire roster of the Toronto Blue Jays, the nine, the nine, eight, eight regular players, let's leave pitching staffs off, the eight man rota- regular rotation of the Toronto Blue Jays. He said he would not trade it for any team in Major League Baseball, including the Dodgers. Is that nuts? Oh, I, I could tell you probably better at the end of the season. I think there's a lot more that's unproven about the Toronto hitters just because they're younger. So I think mm-hmm. for potential and for certainly power potential, yeah, you could say the Blue Jays definitely have a better lineup. From one through nine for – patience and working counts and getting on base, which is what the Dodgers do so well. I'd probably take the Dodgers. Well, um, there's so many interesting uh, manipulations and configurations to, to try and figure out what you would do. The Dodgers certainly would have the experience. There's no doubt about that. And, um, and then we get into the pitching staff, but John, you wanted, what, what would you do? Well, I, I mean, Bill's right. I mean, the bottom line is the Jays are younger. Um, and, I mean, we're biased because we see their enthusiasm. The, the Dodgers are the veteran team. If you're trading the eight for eight for the next five years, I'd probably take the Jays. If you're trading the eight for eight for one year, I'd take the Dodgers. Well, there's something else, too, to consider. that Both teams have the same issue. I don't know whether they consider it a problem, but fans talk about it all the time. <laughs> You want to guess what it is? Right-handed hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Both teams dominant from the right side. And, I mean, do, you, do the Dodgers talk about we could use another left-handed bat, Bill? They did when they lost Corey Seager in particular to Texas, but then they went out and signed Freddie Freeman, who gives you the same left-handed power bat with a little more durability. So, 
I think they're okay there, um, but they're the Dodgers. So if they need to go make a move at some point during the year, they usually do. Hey, hey Bill, is there a chance that the Dodgers may not be the best team in California? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't put the Oakland A's in the conversation, but. You know. No, no, but I mean, between the Giants, me, me, hey, they may not be the best Cal- team in California in their own division. Yeah, I mean, look at all the hype that we had about the Padres last year, right? Well, they can't possibly be as bad as they were last year. Just everything went wrong. And I know I don't want to come on here and say everything's going to go right for them this year because Tatis is already hurt. But they still have a deep lineup. They have a really deep pitching staff. Um, I don't know that they're going to be as good in the bullpen as they were last year because Mark Melanson, their closer, is not there anymore. But they're good. They're really good. And they should be able to hit a lot. They should be able to pitch well enough. And, of course, the Giants won 107 games last year. And, you know, even if they're 15 games worse, that's 92 wins, and that's a pretty gosh, gosh darn good season. Were the Giants an anomaly last year? No, because, and I'm a little biased here, but the guy who runs the Giants, Farhan Zaidi, was Andrew Friedman's assistant with the Dodgers before right, he right. went to San Francisco. And before that, it was Billy Bean's assistant in Oakland. So he <laughs> do what Friedman learned in Tampa, which is how to make smart decisions when you don't have a lot of money. And now, like Friedman with the Dodgers, Zaidi's gone to the Giants where they do have a lot of money. The Giants are one of the highest revenue teams in the major leagues, and they're building a huge real estate development right next to the ballpark. It's going to bring them even more. So they can take chances on guys at a higher level of salary that some teams won't. And instead of maybe throwing all their money at one guy, like people might say the Dodgers did with Freddie Freeman or with Mookie Betts, they've spread it around a lot of arms. They've found some guys on the margins in the same way that Dodgers found a Max Muncy as a minor league free agent or Justin Turner as a minor league free agent or Chris Taylor as a light hitting triple A shortstop. You know, the Giants last year went out and found guys like Lamont Wade and Darren Ruff. You get enough of those guys and you really don't need that one $25 million a year guy. The wild card, of course, is Buster Posey's retired. And obviously he was the heart mm. and anchor of that, not only team, but pitching staff as you know, he did so much great work as a catcher for more than a decade. We have watched Clayton Kershaw for a long time, and um, I'm sure Dodger fans have loved him and hated him um, from time to time and um, been stressed over the number of times he couldn't pitch. Is Clayton Kershaw a bullpen guy now? No. I, I don't actually know of any Dodger fans that have hated him. I think they've commiserated with him over some of the struggles he's had in October, but he exercised those demons a couple of years ago. He's actually had a terrific spring. So right now, Walker Bueller is the opening day starter. Julio Arias won 20 games last year. Uh, and Kershaw is right there. Uh, the Dodgers don't have anybody established beyond those three. They hope that Dustin May will be back from Tommy John surgery later this season. They've got youngsters that they believe will contribute later this season. And again, they're the Dodgers, so if they need to go out and get somebody, they will. But right now, uh, Kershaw looks great, and you know, keep our fingers crossed he stays that way. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because the Dodgers have always gone into the regular season with a really strong pitching staff or rotation. And yes, they they generally cycle some young guy in every year. Um, but is this a weaker starting rotation than it has been in, in recent years, Bill? Uh, probably a little bit, just in terms of experience. Remember last year they had started with Trevor Bauer, and he's been on leave, you know, for almost a year. Max Scherzer came in, so you know Bauer's not active. Scherzer's obviously in New York. Uh, so when you look at the four and five spots, it's Andrew Heaney who pitched poorly in Anaheim and in New York last year. It's Tony Gonsolin who's been a little up and down since the Dodgers have called him up, but. Again, the Dodgers can go, hey, we got David Price in the bullpen. Let's try him. And we've got uh, Ryan Pepio, one of their top prospects, or Landon Knack or Bobby Miller. These are names that, you know, if you read Baseball America, you might know. Most fans probably won't. But the Dodgers aren't shy about giving kids a chance. And so, nope. again, and with, look, there's 12 teams in the playoffs. 
The Dodgers, when I checked baseball prospectus this morning, had a 99.5% chance of making the playoffs. So, you know, they'll be in the race, if, even if they're behind the Padres or the Giants for a while. And again, once you get in that postseason tournament, anything can happen. So if they need an arm in July, I'm sure they'll, they'll go get one. Just okay. curious. Okay, quick one just, more, John. Yeah, just, just curious, uh, maybe a little off topic. This, you know, this is the Dodgers. The Dodgers have always spent – the Lakers are brutal – the Rams won the Super Bowl. Is this still a baseball town? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Rams, even though they won the Super Bowl, they are far from dominating L.A. It's a Dodger town and a Laker town. And if the Lakers are terrible like they are, they just got eliminated last night from the playoffs. People are happy to talk about, you know, why the Lakers are terrible. Uh, you know, the Rams have a little bit of history, but they also have a 25-year hiccup when they were in St. Louis. So right. a whole generation of people that have, are just getting back to getting used to football. And I was talking to a guy who runs one of the sports talk radio stations here. And he goes, we're becoming a good sports town, but for 25 years, it was a Dodgers and Lakers town. And, you know, they need to expand on that. And, and I'm sure they will. Uh, Clippers, Kings, uh, Chargers. I mean, there's other entities there, but they're not on the same level as uh, the you, ones you mentioned. You forgot the Trojans and the Bruins too, Bob. Well, yeah, and that's another that, that that's interesting too. But that's not the topic of conversation today. We're no. gonna take a quick break, but we're gonna continue. Bill Shaken of the LA Times is with us back after these messages. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, Bill Shaken of the LA Times is with us today as we talk baseball on the eve of uh, opening day. Uh, we're going to see the DH in the National League uh, finally at long last. Do you like it? Are you a fan of it, um, or would you rather? Things stayed the way they have been. I, I kind of like the uh, romance, if you will, of the pitchers hitting. Uh, you always had the chance. There was one game, I think it was 2013, Clayton Kershaw hit a home run on opening day, and that was the game-winning hit. It was wonderful drama. Uh, that said, 95% of the time, no one ever needs to see a pitcher hit. What I think is interesting is that the owners for a few years have been selling this as – this will be a concession to players. And what they meant was, you know, DH is a high-priced position for that veteran slugger who maybe can't play the field anymore, the David Ortiz, now you see the Nelson Cruz, those kind of people. But in reality, most contemporary teams don't build their team that way anymore. There were only four guys last year that had even 400 at-bats as a DH because managers and General managers want to be flexible. They want guys to move around the diamond. They want guys to be able to get a day off from the field and serve as the DH. So mm -hmm. the idea that you're going to pay somebody 15 to $20 million just to hit a home run every now and then sit on the bench the rest of the time, that, that just really isn't happening anymore. And frankly, it's not as if the owner said, here's another spot on the roster. They'll give you the DH, but they're not giving you an extra roster spot. Well, what I'm interested and intrigued in is how managers handle this. And, and I wonder if you think there's going to be a, a learning curve, a skill set that managers have to adjust to in the National League now having the DH on a regular basis. A little bit. I mean, they've had interleague, obviously, for 25 years now. I yeah. think more of a, a general manager concern in terms of roster construction, because certainly – you can have a guy like a Nelson Cruz and, and do very well, but the way teams are put together these days, that skill set isn't a priority as much. And, you know, who knows? I mean, if they go through with banning the DH, maybe you have wanted a different kind of hitter, and maybe that does open up the, the gates a little bit for, for somebody who was a more prototypical DH. I'm thinking more about managers and how they, how, how they use their bullpens and how you – you know, generally speaking, we know we all pay attention when we're watching a National League game or have to when the pitcher is coming up with the anticipation that a pinch hitter is, if not inevitable, at least possible. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. It's not. And I would have loved to seen this change and have that debate in the days of a 10-man or an 11-man pitching staff when you mm -hmm. really be careful of how many guys you use. But the Dodgers, for example, are starting with 16 pitchers this year. So, you know, teams just make a change when they think it's in their interest to make a change. And 
Fortunately, they can't do it every batter as they used to do it a couple of years ago. Now they have to at least wait every three. I guess that's a little bit better, but uh, there's certainly enough arms to go around that it, I think it takes away a little bit of the strategy that we would have had had this change been made, say, 10 years ago. Does this, does this save money for teams, or is it just uh, moving money from one pot to another, a, 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 an extra hitter or an extra pitcher? I think you could, in theory, pay an established hitter or a promising slugger maybe more than you would the last guy on the roster. But salaries for veteran players have all been coming down. The union kept making that point over and over this winter. So you're not getting an extra roster spot, as we said. So instead of a guy making 700000 which is the minimum, maybe you have a guy making $5 million. So it goes up a little. But again, the idea of paying somebody $25 million to hit 40 home runs and otherwise do nothing else, that, that day's gone. With Bill Shaken of the LA Times, um, I, I don't want to misrepresent what I was saying earlier when I said there's a, a feeling that it'll be the Blue Jays and the uh, Dodgers in the World Series. Um, but let's talk about some other teams that deserve some notation, reputation, um, prospect of winning. Let's start with the defending champion, Atlanta Braves, who did not have as good a record, I don't believe, during the regular season as the Blue Jays did, for example, and yet won the World Series and lose Freeman to the Dodgers, um, although they got a decent replacement. Um, are, are they a candidate again, or was that just a case of the, this team getting hot at the right time? Um, last year, certainly it was a case of an 88 win team getting hot at the right time, but the Braves have a ton of good young pitching. They've really stabilized their bullpen and really added to it because they stole Kenley Jansen away from the Dodgers, um, almost tit for tat for Freeman, but Matt Olson's a great first baseman. I don't think the Braves are going to lose a lot there. And remember what they did last year, they did without arguably their most dynamic player, which is Ronald Acuna, and he should be back at some point this season. And so their offense could be better. The Texas Rangers made a spent a bunch of money this year. I don't I I don't feel like they it was wise spending. I don't think that the rest of that roster was ready for the additions that they made. Do you? The one thing you can't really do is time the market. And if they're signing guys to one and two year contracts, um, that's one thing. But Seeger was signed for 10, Semyon, I think, for six. So the Rangers are saying these are guys we can build around and we'll have them when our pitching finally matures. And that's great because you're all set up in the middle of the infield. You have two dynamic hitters. Uh, when the pitching is going to mature, I don't know. It's not going to be this year. They're not going to win this year. But you know, if you can have two building blocks that are available now and are willing to, frankly, take your money to come play for a team that might not be all that great, uh, grab it because you don't know who might not want to play for you in the future. The other thing, uh, Bill, is that I, I always feel an obligation to ask you about the other team in Southern California because we always hear about how great Mike Trout is, but the Angels never seem to be able to get over the hump. And Do you, ever, do you foresee that? Are they going to be better this year? The question for the Angels is the same question it's been every spring for a decade or so. They're going to hit. Can they pitch? Last year, Trout was out for most of the season. Anthony Rendon was out for most of the season. And in 2020, those were two of the five most productive position players in, in the American League. They still last year scored more runs than the Yankees. They're going to hit. Can they pitch? Who knows? I mean, the one thing this year is, They've got away from let's find some veteran guy that we can give like eight or nine million dollars to and have him chew up some innings. They're like, no, we should actually have the best guy we can get. So they're spending $21 million on Noah Syndergaard. He could be one of the best pitchers in the American League, or he could be the guy that's been hurt the past couple of years. So far, he looks good. They've got Otani, obviously. You know, it's a pretty good one two punch. And instead of filling the rest of the rotation with, Guys who are on the back end of their careers, they're asking some of the youngsters to take a step forward. They spent $93 million to improve their bullpen and shorten games that way. Mm -hmm. So plan there at least. Whether it works, we don't know, but it'd be fun if it did because it sure would be nice to see Trout and Otani in October. How, how many games – I mean, the Otani experiment, I don't want – maybe experiment's not the right word, but 
Um, do you see him just becoming a pitcher at some point, or are they going to do do exactly what they did last year with him? Well, it's hard to argue what they did last year didn't work. He was right, but by far the most dynamic player in baseball, and really put up a season that has never happened in terms of quality pitching and quality hitting. Um, they are having a six man rotation to accommodate his schedule, going all the way back to how he pitched in Japan but also to help Syndergaard because here's a guy coming off surgery. You want to ease him in and minimize his innings workload. And you could shut him down, for example, as the Nationals famously did with Strasburg a few years ago, or you could just spread out the innings workload over the course of the season. So right now I think the Angels are actually in a better position because there were games last year where Otani was done on the mound and they're like, oh, but is, he's going to hit third next inning, right? What do we do? So they sent right. him outfield and hope the ball didn't find him um now change the rules and if otani leaves the game as a pitcher he can still stay in as the da so i don't know that he'll have as good a season as he did last year because again nobody's done that but he's probably going to get more bats um there are many people across north america around the world who look at um at the angels and the dodgers and say well there's two teams from la well not really um, no. it's not like the Cubs and the White Sox, not like the Mets and the Yankees, uh, the distance between, um, Anaheim and Los Angeles in terms of actual driving time or travel time can be two hours. Um, do the, do the angels suffer by comparison in the marketplace to the Dodgers and their success, or are they, are they just a, a regional kind of team, a team that basically draws from the Anaheim area. Um, certainly the bulk of their fan base is in Orange County, which is the Anaheim area. But when Artie Marino bought the Angels in 2003, he said, look, there are 7 million people in just the two counties. So he couldn't figure out why it would be so hard to sell the Angels knowing that there's, you know, 50,000 seats in Dodger Stadium, 40,000 seats in Angel Stadium, huge television market. He didn't think that making the Angels into a major market team, which they didn't operate as before he got there, was necessarily a matter of like knocking the Dodgers off their perch. And when he got there, they won the division five times in the next, I think, seven years. Uh, they were coming off a World Series. Things were great. And there was one year where the Angels actually outdrew the Dodgers because they were Dodgers were mired in bankruptcy and they were terrible. What's holding the Angels back now is not that the Dodgers are playing great. It's that the Angels are not playing great. And people have not wanted to go spend their time and money to go, even with Mike Trout there, um, because the team has just not been good and has shown no sign of turning the corner to become good. Hopefully, now that Otani's broken out, Trout is healthy. Again, we hope it's the pitching because um, it will be fun. I mean, you don't really have a rivalry as much as people want to say there's one in interleague play. You don't have a rivalry until teams meet in the playoffs. Uh, the Angels and Dodgers have never done – the Giants and Dodgers have never done that uh, in the modern era, at least, before last year, and that was quite a showdown in the National League playoffs. Well, a I Angels play the Dodgers this year in the regular season, Bill? Yes. Okay. Um you talk to a New Yorker and they'll tell you a Yankee fan is a Yankee fan, a Mets fan is a Mets fan. You don't cross over. Um, and, and even if one team is in the playoffs, um, the vast majority will say, I'm not going to root. If you are a Mets fan, you're not going to root for the Yankees. Would you think it's that way in, in, um, in Southern California too, in the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area? Dodgers fans worry about the giants. They don't really worry about the angels. Padres fans worry about the Dodgers. The Dodgers don't worry about the Padres. Yeah. I don't know that anyone's too worried about the Angels. I think everybody is just sympathetic to the fact that, you know, Mike Trout is now, you know, on the wrong side of 30, if you will, and it's it's time for him to win a playoff game, which is something he's never done. Um, who else among the teams that we haven't mentioned should be considered well, I mean, I guess you go to the American League East. It's hard to write off Tampa Bay. They're always there. The Yankees presumably will be good again. 
I don't know about Boston. I don't know what you think about the the um, the Red Sox. Um, I they could be. I, I think they could be a playoff team, or they could be out of it. Um, the only thing we, we're sure about is Baltimore will be crap. What are your thoughts on um, on those three? Yankees, Tampa, and Boston. Uh, I agree with your assessment of Baltimore. <laughs> I think one of the things that's going to come up is that because the other four teams are really good, they're all going to beat up on each other over the course of the season. And when we get to a more balanced schedule next year, when there's more interleague play and less division play, that may not play as much a role. But this year, when those teams have 19 games against one another, they're going to beat the heck out of each other. So I'd keep my eye on the White Sox. They're a really good team. They have some excellent young pitching. They have a lineup full of sluggers, and they don't have to play in the American League East. So they're going to roll up the wins, I think, this year, and uh, I think should pose a pretty good challenge to whoever comes out of the American League East. Actually, you, you guys both talking about Baltimore brings up an interesting storyline for me. Is that uh, As bad as we think the A's and the, and the sale of players the A's have done, Baltimore's payroll is less uh, than the A's. Um, how concerned do you think insiders are that there are at least four teams with payrolls under $40 million in this league? I think if you ask the owners, they would say, we tried to do something about that because at one point the owners proposed a minimum payroll of $100 million, which would have solved all those problems. Now, of course, the catch was, the maximum payroll before you would have to pay a luxury tax would be 180 million. And of course the players didn't want any part of that. But at this point, the way the game's structured, I think the players were just trying to say, what can we do to incentivize teams to compete? And unfortunately there were way too many teams that looked at what the Cubs did and looked at what the Astros did and said, boy, if we're just terrible for a few years, we can collect prospects and collect draft picks and win the World Series. And unfortunately, the number of teams that can win the World Series every year is still set at one. And the number of teams that can be terrible every year and save money is much more than one. And I think teams are starting to realize now, unfortunately, Baltimore is running the Astros playbook because their GM came from the Astros. And of course, that's why he was hired. Uh, too many teams are doing this. And I think people realize fans are just tuning out. Attendance has gone down around the league, uh, I think, in six of the last seven years, you know, not counting the pandemic years. So it's not working. And I think one of the good things this year is that the expanded playoffs mean that you have a chance to get in. And again, because the playoffs are so random, you might actually win. Because as bad as it was to watch what Baltimore is doing or what Oakland's doing this year, or Pittsburgh has done for way too many years now. What was worse to me was you'd get into July and you would hear teams that were maybe 500, maybe close to it. You'd hear their management talk about, well, you know, do we really want to make that big investment? Do we want to take on a big contract? Do we want to trade prospects for a guy that could make us better? But better means we go to a wild card game and we might be done in one game. Right. Or Maybe we win the wild card game, get our butts kicked by the Dodgers, and then we're out. Is it worth the investment? And I think the system now actually makes it a little more worth the investment because nobody's going out of the playoffs in one game because the shortest series now is three games. And more teams get in. And once you get in, you know, I hate to, again, sound like a cliche machine, but anything can happen. And maybe it is worth a shot. I would hate to be the person telling my fan base, we could win if I got some help, but, you know, why bother? That's terrible. Well, I don't disagree with anything you said, Billy. I, I, all I would say is I don't think there's any anticipation that Baltimore, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, probably Oakland, have any chance of being one of those extra playoff teams. And I say probably Oakland because, as we all know, historically, Oakland has done this over and over and over again and very quickly is able to turn their lineup around to be a competitive team that can occasionally at least get into the postseason. But I don't see any of the others. Maybe Cincinnati you throw into that group too. I don't know if I – am I missing somebody? Well, Arizona. Um, what can Arizona possibly aspire to in the division that they're in, huh? I think what it comes down to is fans focus on what they see, and obviously the payroll numbers are public. 
but they don't really spend a lot of time talking about how good their management is. And manage with less money. Obviously, the Rays do it every year. And if you look, you mentioned Kansas City. Uh, The Royals were in the World Series back-to-back years in 2015 and 2016. They've got a really smart baseball guy in Dayton Moore running their operation. They do try to win every year. Bobby Witt might be the rookie of the year this year in the American League. Uh, That's the kid infielder, not the dad who was the pitcher, just to clarify for the old-timers listening. Um, But, you know, you look at teams like Arizona and Pittsburgh and Baltimore and, like, you know, there doesn't seem to be that, that big plan. And you get revenue sharing, you get money, what are you doing with it? And it's something, yeah. you know, flip it too. Like there are plenty of teams that spend lots of money, the Angels, for example, and have not too much to show for it. So I think the revenue sharing system has made it possible at least for teams to – it's not going to be a totally even playing field, but enough money to be competitive. And, you know, you have to ask, well, what are you doing with the money? And you asked that of several teams and they have a grievance pending from before the last collective bargaining agreement that's still pending over the Pirates and the Marlins. I believe it was the A's and the Rays. I'm not sure about their spending. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we actually should have started this discussion rather than expansion about who you felt benefited more from the new CBA. Do you have a feeling on which side won the, won the hundred day war? There were no winners. Uh, nobody was talking about baseball all winter. The players have a, a little bit better system in the areas that were important to them. Uh, there's been a huge move, as everyone can see, for younger, cheaper players. And so the players union was able to get the owners to come up pretty significantly on minimum salaries, which is important. They went up pretty significantly on how much you can spend before you have to pay a luxury tax which is pretty important because that's another $20 million before an owner can say, well, I don't want to pay the tax. Um, They didn't get earlier arbitration or earlier free agency, which they tried to get. Um, For the owners, things were great, actually. So they didn't want to make any radical changes, and they didn't. And ultimately, the best thing that happened was this really, really came close to shutting down the season probably for two months. Hmm. And at the last day, finally – And you might remember the executive board of the players union, who are the player negotiators, didn't actually want to take that last deal on the table. They voted no. But the player representatives from all the teams voted yes, and we have baseball. Because if that had fallen through, I think Memorial Day in the States would have been the first we saw of baseball. Uh, We got to go. But we wouldn't let you go without uh, your prediction. Um, Who wins the World Series? Bill Shaken. I'll, uh, well, you know, I got to have a little loyalty here. So if it can't be the Expos, I'll go with the Blue Jays. <laughs> All right. Nice. I would have bet you to said the Dodgers, but, um, I say that every year. Come on. Yeah. That's <laughs> geography. Uh, good to see you. Stay, stay well, stay healthy. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll bug you again somewhere during the regular season. If that's okay. All right. Thanks, pal. All right. Thanks, okay. Bill. Bill Shaken of the LA times. We'll come back after these messages. Our thanks to Bill Shaken for uh, joining us from Los Angeles, even with his Expos hat on. For those of you who didn't catch that by chance, he um, featured the Expos hat all along. Now, he's a loyalist. Well, Bill is a Montreal native, right? Yes. So, and has been covering um, the Dodgers and the LA baseball scene for uh, a long, long period of time. Uh, I know he picked the Toronto Blue Jays because he was on with us. Do you think they're ready? Well, you know, I'm uh, the cliche, you know, in hockey, the, the cliche is always, well, it's all about the goaltending. Isn't baseball all about the pitching? Sure it is. So to a great extent. But at the same time, don't forget that, you know, if you give general managers credit um, for being smart, why would you spend on anything other than pitching? And they don't. They do spend a lot of money on bats. And the Toronto Blue Jays have acquired both bats and yeah. arms. But the, the, the question for me is, what's, what's, uh, after a month, what's the rotation going to look like? You know, Is it five? Is it six? What is Kikuchi going to do? What, what, what is Kikuchi going to do this year that he couldn't do in Seattle? 
Um, Gosman, I, I have I have no worries about Gosman. I mean, I mean, I to me that's a that's a array for Gosman trade, and I'm fine with that. But uh, I, I just I, I wonder about the full rotation. Will Ryu be able to come back? I mean, he he was a, in the second half of the season last year. Bob, you have to admit he was a disappointment. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as worried as you are about the starting rotation because I think the starting rotation is solid. And yes, it has questions, but they have depth now in the starting rotation. They have three guys on their roster right now who will start in the bullpen, who could be starters, who have been starters. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and that doesn't even include Pearson. So Who's got uh, mononucleosis, by the way. So Yeah, so, um, but he's the first name many people think of. They've got, they've got, they've got pitching. They've got choices. Uh, yes, guys will get hurt, you presume. Um, the key is the bullpen. Right. And I admit to being more confident about the, maybe I shouldn't be, but I admit to being more confident about the bullpen than I was last year at this time. Well, actually, I, 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 uh, Bill made me feel warm and fuzzy about the Blue Jay bullpen because we were complaining earlier in the week that they only, they had 15 pitchers. And he said, well, don't feel bad because the Dodgers Dodgers have 16. 16. (laughs) Well, and I think that speaks to um, understanding what this season is going to be like and the way the game has evolved with starting pitching. Yeah. With guys, you know, guys only throwing four or five innings. Although Barrios and Gaussman uh, both um, are ready to throw 80 to 100 pitches in the opening day. Now, maybe that only gets you to the fourth inning. Who knows? We'll we'll find out. It's going to be fun. This this is going to be the – they are going to be the most entertaining team in baseball, I think, and that will be great for the fans. They were at the end of last year, and I suspect you're 100% right. I can't wait to see them in action. That will do it for us. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan. Bye, everybody.